0: I'm Jose Solis. We are in the midst of unprecedented times. As you all know, a global pandemic has altered the way in which we live. and The currents have come down in theaters all over the world as we try to protect the most vulnerable. But lately, I've been thinking a lot about Anne Washburn's Mr. Burns, a post-electric play, not because of the apocalyptic setting, mind you, but because of the way in which it celebrates storytelling through oral tradition, therefore celebrating what makes us human. Luck has it that theater kid eagerness led me to record both March episodes of Token Theater Friends very early during the month. No one could have imagined what the days ahead would bring. The shows I discussed with my guests have closed or have been postponed indefinitely. And as I wondered whether the episodes had a place in this strange new world, I kept coming back to the characters in Washburn's play who get together to reenact an old episode of The Simpsons. And it made sense to me. For now, let theater critics, journalists, theater fans, and theater lovers continue the tradition. Let us be the keepers of the flame, the guards of the ghost light, if you like, while we wait for our beloved curtains to rise again. I hope you enjoy this episode. Today I'm joined by playwright Celine Song and actor Y. Ho of Endlings, which is one of the most beautiful things that I've seen in a very long time. What mm-hmm. is yes, Endlings? Can you tell us a little bit about the plot and the character that you play also?
1: Endlings mm-hmm. um, is about um, uh, three last remaining uh, henyos in the world, and hainyous are uh, the direct translation of henya is uh, sea women. Mm-hmm. And they are uh, sort of free divers who dive that equipment to sort of grab from, uh, seafood uh, from, uh, from the ocean. And uh, what's a, what's amazing about what's been going on with this particular culture, which is, I think, uh, we believe it is about a millennium mm-hmm. old, um, is that it's going to disappear. and. The majority of the population are above 70. Um, The average age is very, very high. So it it is a group of people in a culture that is sort of like aging out and is dying out. And the reason is uh, usually economical. Um, Because uh, it used to be at some point that this um, hainyas are the only ways to uh, harvest seafood for Korea. So um, they were making really good money. And it's one of the ways in which that uh, is one of, the, I think, only metrical social, uh, communities in Korea because uh, women are the henyas and uh, they were able to be sort of like breadwinners um, even a, millennia, a millennium ago. Um, so, uh, but then because it's the, what was sort of driving them was economical um, with farming seafood, easier ways to get seafood, we can do imports and things like that. This very specific, like very labor-intensive way of uh, gathering seafood um, stopped being economically viable and now a lot of Henyeos have been poverty, which is a very different situation than even like a couple hundred years ago. Uh, what was sort of uh, driving them was that they were able to make a lot of money just being able to, being the only source of uh, seafood in Korea.
0: So basically, you just keep making your play even more heartbreaking. <laughs> 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 so it's amazing. Yeah. That's so sad. Yeah. Uh, and you play Hansel. Can can you talk a little bit about?
2: That? Uh, yes, I play Hansel, who is um, one of the three Hanyo's that are in handling the play. Um, I'm the oldest one. I'm in my late nineties. Um, of course, in reality, I'm sure there are more than three. But for the, Purpose of the play. We three are the last of our species. Um, and uh, but what I love about the character that, that Celine has created is, she's old and she's poor and and she works really hard and it's and it's, it's bone break breaking. You know, go in and out of the water. And as they say in in in, in the script, you know, we have this almost like a Routine kind of chanting, saying in and out of the water, in and out of the coffin, and in spite of these um, hardship and such a difficult life, she remains a very optimistic outlook almost, and and it's just so. It's not so much. It's like she couldn't care less about a lot of things, um, and and somehow she remains humorous and and have fun with her fellow annuals and um, and there's something so wonderful about it to to play someone who's dying out and yeah there's total totally no self-pity at all and I I think that's really wonderful
0: character to how did you become interested in the
1: hanios? I think that the growing up in Korea for 11, 12 years, and then like you know yeah. having parents who are Korean American, also like uh, are a part of a natural national conversation about um, rural aging in Korea, and like it is about like a very specific tradition that is even strange to even. Koreans themselves in Korea that is sort of um, probably going to disappear, at least in the form that it exists. Um, So I have always sort of been interested in them because, you know, like there are documentaries about them in Korea and things like that. So I grew up sort of watching it like that. Um, But then I was watching uh, one of the documentaries uh, in, I guess, like 2015 or something like that with my mom, and then my mom thought it might be a play. And my mom is a, an artist herself, so like it wasn't like a, a offhanded thing. She was just sort of like, "What's isn't it so wild that like these women that you have nothing in common with are Korean and and you also are Korean?" Something about the
0: videos <laughs> that I kept, you know, I kept thinking about it was like just their their daily practice. It's almost like a ritual, and it's almost like theater where you. You know, you do the same thing over and over and over and over again. And I and I wondered if you could talk a little bit about the parallels if you found any between theater and and the henos. Actually it's very funny because <laughs>
2: that's what <laughs> I've been doing ever since. So <laughs> I, was like, I go into the theater, I, I rehearse and then I, and this was I was thinking about it oh my god this is my life
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> in and out of the theater <laughs> uh, and, it, and it's really true and and then um, the henyos have after they do a whole day of, of this fishing uh, you know far, harvesting in the sea they come up and at night that's all they do is watch TV and then I go home from the theater. Turn up. I watch TV yeah. and and then because my fellow um, uh, actor Emily Corada uh, was is was famous in Gilmore Girls and I never watched Gilmore Girls, so I just got started on Gilmore Girls and I was binging. I have been mean, binging ever since. <laughs> This uh, rehearsal started for ending. So it is, there is definitely a parallel. Of course, once the play is over and now it's open, maybe I have more life. (laughs) But yes, there is a parallel in that, um, in in that we go into the theatre, we, we, you know, we're on stage, and just like the handles, they go into the sea. And then we uh, we go home and watch TV.
1: Cool. Well, the thing that I was sort of running into when we were casting for Display, because we needed um, three like elderly seeming uh, Asian American actresses who can both dive into the water and do a monologue. You know what I mean? And it's like a very, uh, it's like a very uh, uh, specific like very seasoned crowd, and we were. All the casting directors that we we're talking to were like, "That's gonna be the hardest group of people to cast," and it turns out I actually haven't found that to be true because uh, because I feel like actresses who have been in the game uh, for you know like as long as like Emily or Y or Joe like I feel like um, yeah they can fucking do it like it's it's really not a, it was never a question of like. Uh, like, they can fucking do it, and then they're gonna understand this character so well immediately because that's what it is. Like, you know, uh, the, these henyas, like, even though their material rewards are not going to be enough for their entire careers as um they go on and they do it every day anyway. And I feel like uh, the thing that like I feel like I've been learning from you, Emily, and Joe, who, by the way, are like sort of like walking community of like oral history of asian american theater like if you just like sit and like talk to them you can always I'm just like did did she die like what what did they do <laughs> like, you remember her she wasn't that show, but then...
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: I know and <Is> she dead? <laughs> so i i
1: found i found uh sort of working with them to be I, I don't know i feel like um whenever i hear your stories of like being in theater it's it always made me go, like, oh my god, the perils here are so much more, like, like oh, literal than I think that it, it seems, yeah. I think I will
0: never stop having, like, endless admiration for you, because I kept imagining your pitch for this, and you're like, it's a play, and there's, it's mostly women, yeah. we criticize white theater, and there's <laughs> lots of poetry, and lots of water. Yeah. How did you... Pull that off like I wonder you know what's like the, the most surreal uh, part about seeing your vision
1: on stage? Right. Um, I think that I wrote this play as a sort of like a farewell letter to theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was sort of in a place where I felt like I wanted to sort of uh, quit being a playwright and I thought that this would be the last play that I write. Um, and it was about endlings um, that are these uh, these women. Um, endlings means the last of the species. Um, but I also felt like one uh, also. And I don't know what that really means, but there is a way in which that like the making the kind of theater that I make, um, I couldn't really conceive of a home for it in New York City. Um, in my play, I talk about real estate a lot. I think that has sort of changed. I think that how uh, New York, New York City real estate is changing, is changing the way theater gets made. As in like uh, a lot of off Broadway theaters that were usually were homes of experimental work, they're being pressured to now cast celebrities, do it this way, only do works by people who are extremely established, only do work that can go to Broadway. So what that does is that limits the things of like sort of like the they can program. And meanwhile, um, sort of like Broadway and things like that, those things only people who can like sort of like uh, afford to have shows there. uh, Again, they're being asked to make very specific work, and because of that, and of course, there are spaces in like Brooklyn and things like that that are um, actually reserved for like actual experimental work, but often they cannot uh, support um, technically complicated work. They cannot afford to pay actors what they should be paid, the least of what they should be paid. And uh, I was sort of running into, like, well, so what is the space for me in New York? And I was feeling like I couldn't really find a home for it. So I was like, okay, well, fuck all that. I'm just going to write something that I can stage in my mind, or like stage my heart, or something, where it doesn't have to physically exist. Um, it does. I don't have to think about real estate. I don't have to think about um, what kind of space I can put this in, which is why I was like, you know what? I always want to set up, a, a play in ocean at, at the ocean. So, ocean. You know, like, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> <you know? laughs> and then now, trans uh, transformation, New York. I don't know how you are do the transition. Good luck. You know. So I think that's how I was able to sort of write it. And then like, you know, like of course the casting directors tell you, you know, like. You should try to like have a pre open casting, or you should try to cast younger people. Like, there's like a lot of question of like, and you should, uh, There's like a there's a lot of questions about like who you can cast. And by the way, I'm, I think it has changed since I wrote this play. But I started writing this play in 2015, so at the time, the conversations about diversity, conversations about things like that, were not as there as it is now, five years later. Mm-hmm. So, so I feel like we forget that also.
0: Yeah, like we ended up having like a long conversation about Marvel movies the other time. Yes. And when I was when I went to see the play, I kept thinking it's like you put together the Avengers in mm-hmm. a way of you know Asian American actors. And can you can you talk a little bit about you know knowing when you found the right people and what's it like for you? Because you have such beautiful chemistry. And it's always so exciting to see chemistry with actors that's not, you know, like, a romantic thing, because that's the only thing that people seem to know how to do. Mm-hmm. And there's this beautiful synergy with the three of you, and I would love to he- hear about how you accomplished that.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I that was actually, you know, sheer luck, because, because you know, I, I was in the original uh, play reading at the public when uh, Celine was uh, chosen as the emerging playwright. The play ending, and I happened to be on their roster. Or well, pulling uh, Asian actresses of certain age, and watching oh came up, and so I was pulling in, and I, I did the the, the role of Han Soul and right away I really felt um, that really resonates with me, and um, and and I, I just loved. It. And it was so quirky, and it was so unusual when I read it, but I had no idea how it's going to be done, because (laughs) all this water (laughs) happening, but I think we, we... I bummed almost right away, because Celine, I remember telling me after the reading, you are perfect for us." No.
1: <laughs> well, I knew I was perfect because I'm old enough. <laughs> no, but I think that the part of it is like, the, it was important to the henyas and the way that they're depicted, is that like, I think often because of how sort of magical their work is, it's easy for people to sort of treat those characters. Uh, sort of like magical people who only talk about things in magical ways, or like <laughs> sort of exotic, like that kind of way. And what was important to me is that, like, as somebody who speaks Korean and who doesn't read the translation, who actually hears the way they speak, they talk like sailors. You know what I mean? Like, they don't care. They've spent their life doing too much hard work for too long. They're um, they have usually they're usually illiterate. They usually don't have not gone to any sort of like proper schooling. They just uh, started diving when they were like children, and then by their 16, they were fully heinous. So that's usually what was going on with them. So um, they were not talking like you know like, oh, I miss my children. They were just like, <laughs> fuck my children. Like, right? So that would sort of be like that. And I really wanted to capture that in the play. Right? Yes. yes. And uh, I love it whenever people uh, there's some audience members who go like, oh, it's too too much cursing. And I'm like, well, they, but they are. Too, they do. They do. Like if you want an authentic experience of I, Yes, I, 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 agree
2: because I am not Korean. I'm from Hong Kong originally, in Chinese, and I certainly had no uh, knowledge of Hangul whatsoever. But when I grew up, I remember seeing the old women that would sell things in the marketplace or in, in the fish market or in a uh, produce market or whatever, they curse like yeah. crazy. Yeah. I mean, as you know, young girls who were supposed to be brought up in, in you know, in some uh, culture of You know, we try to hold our ears, but it, <laughs> they, it's all there and, and it's real. It is, they do oh, yeah. speak speak like yeah. that, and they're still, you know, it's, it's a, you know, is, they don't have any education, right. really, and, you know, life is hard,
1: and right. <laughs> so. well, that's what it was, and then I think it's like it's the different. first time we you started reading Hansel, um, you were reading it like a, like a lovely grandmother, and I think yeah. that the direction that we were talking, we were just like, no, you don't give a shit, you don't you give don't a fuck, <laughs> you don't give a fuck, <laughs> kept, <we> kept <laughs> <said>. saying that, <laughs> and, fuck. and, I was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's yes. um, yeah. a very interesting. Oh, oh but the, the chemistry that you're talking about. Yes, we, we were talking
2: about Indian chemistry. Emily, I I didn't meet until we were at A R T when when she was cast. And we like bonded instantly. We yeah. so much fun. both <laughs> scorpions. <laughs> 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 that could be it too. I didn't know a lot of scorpions in, in, uh, in the theater sometimes, a lot of actors. I don't know why, but we all, we all bond. But uh, there she is another one, very earthy, very. Um, uh, just full of life, full of joy. So it, it, it was wonderful. And Jo, I have met. I have done things with her in the past uh, in a couple of productions. Um, and we always, you know, got along. And, and she was perfect for job. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so perfect, you know. So, yeah, anyway, I, I, I don't know. But the, the chemistry was just there. And we didn't really have to um, I don't know. We didn't have to have like sessions where we would when we tried to bond and we just it just really happened very naturally, and 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 the idea and because our age is very appropriate. I am the oldest, and, and Emily is in the middle, and suja I mean, Jo uh, Yang is is the youngest of us. So it it all fitted very nicely into the pattern, and somehow the characters were yeah. were. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then of course we have our wonderful, wonderful director, Sammy Canoud, who's who just like brought us all together and, and you know, gave us so much insight.
1: Well and, so too. they also moved to um, when we were working on our world premiere at ART, mm-hmm. we all were Sort of stuck in Cambridge. Yes, we were. <laughs> so, you, so we were. They, they were sharing like, like a, I would say, like a dorm. Like we were
2: dorm, in I'll the park same park. building, so yeah. we would like share cooking and whatnot and visit each other, and it was we really. It was a community, just like the Hanover's community, yeah. and we would like have three little houses, but we have three little apartments, but it's all in the same complex with, uh, well, Sammy was down the road, but yeah. she's there, and, 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 and uh, Celine, so it, it, was, it was a very fun time.
0: I am a sucker for art about grandmas, because grandmas are the best. And I have to say that, you know, when I was sitting there at Edlings, the I, I remember the fact that most of the curse words that I know I learned from my grandma. Mm-hmm. And my grandma was the person who gave me my first shot of whiskey when I was four, uh, and she was the one who taught me everything that I needed to know about men.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and she gave me all these lessons, but I will never uh, forget how many curse words she, she, she taught me. And it, I, I, you know can you share if you're comfortable? obviously, mm-hmm. what's the one thing that your grandma taught you that's mm-hmm. stuck with you forever?
2: I unfortunately cannot tell you anything about my grandma. Because both side, uh, grandmas, and, uh, my father and mother, they both died in their early 40s. You have to remember this is a long time ago. You know, I, mean, I was so much older. Um, so I never met my grandmother. But from my, what my father told me, uh, her, her mother was a really nice, nice woman. Um, but other than that, <laughs> I'm sure, uh, well, being you know Chinese and 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 very conservative, I don't think she would have cursed so much. <laughs> so honestly, I have to defer to to, to Celine for this
1: purpose. <laughs> um, I think that the thing that my grandmother. Um, Sort of always reminds me is that because as somebody who is a uh, someone who went through a very horrific war and survived, I think that I sort of learn about that. There's something about um, her her ability to have survived um, now uh, ninety one years of like. Uh, modern Korean history, which um, a- anybody who glances at the history books will tell you, is unbelievably turbulent. The fact that she was able to now survive that, and then now she has a, now she has a f- smartphone. Dude, there's something amazing about her life having gone through. Um, you know, like her having been born in what is now known as North Korea, or having to do the the refugee path down to South Korea, for her to have like started making a living in South Korea, uh, raising two daughters, like everything that she's done, she's really, she's really tough in a way that like it doesn't even, I can't really even um, quite imagine. Like I feel like that's a way in which like I feel the generational gap or like I feel alienated, which is that like, you know, like when I'm like crying about something that like happened to me a little bit, like, sh- my grandmother's a little bit like, died, <laughs> right? Like, did, uh, who, what, 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 you know what I mean? Like what city was decimated? Like, I don't know what mm-hmm. So, so I feel like that's something that I love from her. Yeah, it's amazing. Just a survivalist spirit, which is like. She's still alive, alive, right? still alive, I know,
0: yeah. Wow. Did she teach her any curse words?
1: Um, no. Okay. No. She watches a lot of, uh, uh, she watches a lot of TV. You know? Yeah. So she she teaches me a lot of, like, uh, Korean melodrama things. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like tropes in Korean melodrama. Like, she teaches me that. Oh <laughs> my god, I love that so much.
0: That was, was watching because her character is obsessed with television, and that's all she wants to do. Do you think Hanso would be a fan of Madame Gao?
2: <laughs>
0: I think she would actually,
2: because yeah. Madame Gao is tough. She's badass. <laughs> She's I that love her. That, that's that's what she is, and and I think So is tough too. You know, um, uh, even though. You know, deep down, I'm sure she cares about well, grandchildren
0: and that, but
2: uh, it's just a tough broad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I read in an interview that you did that you, uh, that your very first experience on stage was when you were two years old.
2: Two years old? I, I don't really think so. Okay. <laughs> I thought I was 12 years old. Oh, ago. you weren't 12. I was yeah, 12. Right? Yeah. I was in high, in junior high school, just like what in British Hong Kong was form one. So I guess it's like eighth grade, I don't know, say seventh grade or something. And somebody just dropped out, it was a proud princess. And, and I happened to be there and study. So I went on, I had this beautiful <laughs> dress and I was the proud princess. And, and I just loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I ate it all up. So look, many years ago, I many years later, yeah. I wear hanbok. Yeah, <laughs> I I, uh, I was like at the end of mandling. Yeah. I'm just like a proud princess again. Yeah. <laughs> so life comes around yeah. full
0: circle. So, like a, more, like a, more like a queen by now. A <laughs> you know,
2: it, it breaks
0: my heart. mother. <laughs> it, it breaks my heart, for instance, to hear you say that you thought you were going to quit uh, writing, because, like, obviously the two of you are so great at what you do. And, you know, with something like Endling said, there's no way, I think, that anyone sees a play, and I can imagine even writing it or being in it, where you don't get, like, a, a little bit, like, existential at some point, and wonder, uh, you know, what do you think you would be doing if you weren't, um, artists?
1: You first. Um, I studied psychology when I was in, um, college, and my plan was to become a psychologist. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe I would have done that, but I don't think I would have, because I didn't it just was one of those things where, like, being a psychologist, like, I was, I wanted to be a psychologist so that I could write a book at the end of it. You know what I mean? Like, it, it clearly, the thing itself was not as important to me as we get to write while doing it. <laughs> that makes sense. So, I think that, but I think that I, there, there is an alternate universe where I just, like, actually went through with it. you know what I would have done? Being a speechwriter. Oh, I always thought because I mean I feel I remember like watching like, uh like you a know, politician speeches just being like this is not being messaged right like this is not, not being given. you know like and I think that like I always um, I don't know.
2: I feel like I would have liked to like write
1: some of propaganda. I think that's what real <laughs> 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 yeah.
2: propaganda. Yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I I majored in English, and then I I was attempted to do my master. And what the plan was because I grew up in in this traditional Chinese family. Well, the, 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 if you don't become a doctor and a lawyer and not that smart, then you become a teacher. And everybody expected me to do finish my master and become a teacher. But I have to tell you, I hate it. I have no patience about teaching. And I have no idea what I would have done. I guess I would, I mean, I, but i was very much into raising my family, so I don't know what I would have done after families, you know, the kids have grown up and they left the house. I don't know. I, I, have, I have no other path. I cannot do anything else. <laughs> I was, when I was very young, I, I used to wait on tables to support being at... I couldn't wait on tables table all this time, I guess. I don't know what I would have done. So I was totally lucky that when I turned 70, I actually booked... The Marvel gig (laughs) (laughs) kept me going. I I don't know, I'm being watched over somehow. Mm. Some, I've been very blessed, I Mm. have to say. Um, so who knows? But um, yeah, I kept going. I, I feel always feel like I'm half foot in and half out of the theater. <laughs> when I'm in, I'm in. When I'm not, okay, I go home, watch TV,
0: <laughs> do some cooking. Yeah. <laughs> so what's one thing about that pool? That pool is just magical. Like I want to go mm-hmm. like swim in it. But anyway, what's the one thing about the pool that surprised you the most that you weren't that you weren't expecting at all when you? when you said yes to that part, and also when you wrote it. I didn't expect a pull, <laughs> I didn't expect a
2: I, I didn't expect, I don't know what I, I think projection was what I was expecting. I, I, I mean,
1: I, because mean, Sammy like asked me, like she's like, well, how would you imagine the ocean? And I was like, maybe like with cloth, you know, like we can recreate the ocean. I don't know, you know, so I didn't think of
2: Pool. No, I didn't she, think so. Yeah. But Sammy said, water or nothing. Okay. Yeah.
1: She's, She's just like, <laughs> yeah. She, she really bought the pool. It's just, pool. So it it's was... It's We just, oh. she just She just lives in it, you know. Yeah, I know.
2: It was very surprising. Uh, but thank God, I always knew how to swim. You know, like, ever since I was a child. And But I never dove. I, know, yeah. I didn't do any really diving. So it's funny that in my 70s, I'm suddenly diving head first, <laughs> so, which is great. You know, we learn something
1: every day. It sure. looks like a lot of fun, yeah. also. And why, um, and, and G. Park, uh, who plays a character that is sort of like my astral projection, <laughs> um, they were, been with the project, I feel like, I think the longest, even longer than with was Sammy. So I feel like it was only like, like you know, like a, a playwright who's about to quit it's, like a uh, rough draft um when she sort of first encountered it so i feel like for us we're like oh we didn't know we didn't think about the pool right sorry yeah yeah it's
2: right so we, we really didn't think about the pool we just no. do the play yeah <laughs> so the the pool was really surprising when we when we actually saw it in art as a <laughs> we yeah. have a pool. <laughs> oh, first of all, I think my first concern when they mention a the pool is, is it going to be warm enough? Yes. Is it going to be clean? <laughs> <laughs> That's very important. Yeah. Is real water more challenging
0: than CGI? Or or which uh, one would you do over and over Which
2: one? I mean, uh,
0: real water versus? Yeah. Versus computer. All the computers oh. from
2: the haven't done much um, of anything that has a lot of uh, projections and you know computer-generated things. So I really don't know. I <laughs> now that I have been swimming in the pool, I really like it. I, you know, it, it's so real when you go in and you get wet and you come But the irony of it sometimes, when you do that in an audience, still ask you. Was it me? Really, did you really go with that? After all that, we we're soaking wet. And we we were in some kind of projection. <laughs> so, okay. But with this this uh, New York theater workshop, because it's so much more intimate, I mean, audience do see that you we dripping wet.
0: Yeah. you can see it, right? Yeah. Did you can really, like, smell the yeah. water. Yeah, is, that's I, right. It is so cool. So, I love it so much. And there's also like a parallel story that I think is going on at Endlings and it's this beautiful like multi-generational story of women and you know we had you and Sammy and we had you know the veteran actors that have been doing this for for a very long time and if there's like one thing that you could say that you learned from each other what what would it be? Well
2: I have to say that I have learned from Celine and Sammy, about the world of the Hennuels. Mm. You know, I felt like I, I... After being in it for so long, I really um, could get a feel of, of, of what their life is like and and the hardship and, and the the ability to prevail and survive, you know. Um, and also, <laughs> what else have I learned? <laughs> um, <laughs> I learned a lot, I have to say, you know, from, from doing this play. Um, it's just, just the, the idea of, of immigration, of how one gets transported from, from one place to another and the journey that one goes through, um, it really made a huge impact on me. Because I'm an immigrant myself, but I never really thought about it that much. Um, and, and this play really makes me think about a lot of things. Um, I
1: think, weirdly, uh, professionalism Hmm. you, I really think there is something about, uh, like, holding oneself to a certain kind of standard as you make work. Um, what was amazing, I remember at our first rehearsal, uh, Sammy and I had a bit of a meltdown because mm-hmm. these three ladies. We had our first uh, week with just the with just the three uh, uh, women, and. You all, they all showed up with most of the script off-book, almost all of it off-book. They remembered some of the blocking and prop work from a year ago. And we got through 30 pages of the script on day one. And we—and this is not something that sh- one should expect from actors who have a three-week or four-week um, rehearsal process. but. Um, I remember just you were just you just like showed up just being like oh we've already done the show <laughs> you know, like we've already done the show so we remember you know so uh, so I feel like um, you know I feel like it's so easy for us to feel like it's like um, we we're doing it for the gram a little bit mm. does that make sense like I feel like there's like a there's a feeling that I think that with those of us in the sort of like a younger newer crowd. To theater, I think that because we are on Instagram, we're on Facebook. I think there's a part of me that thinks that I'm doing theater for that, mm-hmm. for Instagram. Not that I literally think that, but there is a, there must be a part of my muscle that just mm-hmm. thinks that like I'm doing it for Instagram. And I think doing it for Instagram is great because that's how you get people to come see it, right? But the, but the thing that I think that I learned is that like actually no, it is, it, no, it is actually for the thing. You're not doing it for anything else. You're doing it for the thing in front of an audience. So every night that um, they uh, do their performances, I know that the thing that they're in, that the thing that they're present in, is the work that they're doing, and not um, what is this going to do for me? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then I feel like that's what I mean by uh, professionalism or like dedication or commitment or just like absolute refusal to let yourself be um Anything less than the best, you can in some ways. Um, not to say that like they're you know they're always just like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? they're not the, you, know I mean? they, like, you know They're really they're really fun and all, everything. But I feel like there's a certain standard that that's just like to me from from where I'm sitting. I'm sure you're like whatever I don't care. But like I'm there. <laughs> when it, I see <laughs> it, I'm always like this kind of level of like taking oneself seriously as an artist feels. Um, like something that I'm sometimes missing from like, my life, from the you know I mean, from from our lives, you know. So that's something that I learned. That is so
0: beautiful. And before we go, I'm just like to know, what's your favorite kind of shellfish? Oh. <laughs> I was craving shrimp and crab and everything uh. else.
2: Oh, I love all kinds of shellfish, <laughs> but I
1: think clams,
2: mm. <laughs> mm.
1: <laughs> no, I like lobster. I love yeah. lobster. But I feel like I like um so there is uh, soy sauce marinated soy uh, soy sauce fermented Korean uh crab. Oh my God, but it's good. but it's like but it's like a blue crab or like a soft shell crab, but what it is is they ferment, fermented they don't cook it, but they just uh, use a soy sauce to just like drench it so that it ferments. Uh, within itself and cooks sort of and so it's like a raw crab, but it's uh, been fermented a little bit oh. It is it's my favorite food. I think it's one of the like if you think about like pot as like and like bulgogi or like halbi as the lowest level of Entry for people who are just learning to no know Korean. I think this crab is like mm-hmm. But like, if you're there, if you're not a Korean and you're like eating that, then you are like, you have been fully integrated into <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to eat that.
0: Well, when do I get go. it?
1: Let's go. Where do we find it? <laughs> I but there are some places in K-Town that do have it, but my favorite places what? are in LA. in LA. Oh, but what is it called? It's like so-
2: soy sauce soy raw sauce crab. Raw it's yeah. sort of like a ceviche, but it's, yeah. It's, uh,
1: okay, it's, you yeah, it's yeah. so use and you good. eat it with like white rice, or like you eat it with rice, and then you just like That's put, so good. and then you eat it, and you have like, take a bite, and then you just like get a little bit of flesh. It's <laughs> it's my favorite thing, okay. um, but I think that like it can be very, <sighs> it's very <laughs> strong, like it's a very strong. Yeah, but we'll try. I love it. Yeah, you would love it. I would
0: love it. Not very hungry. Um, Thank you both for joining. Thank this you. has been a true pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank, you, so thank much. you. And remember, theater is way more fun when you bring a friend or two or three or four. Any. Anyway. <laughs> Bye.
1: Bye. Bye. Bye.